God's word, not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. We thank you that your word is designed to help us walk this Christian walk with, with success. And so as we come to hear the word, I pray that the Spirit of God will minister to each person that's here today. And I thank you that when we leave today, our hearts will be full of faith, our minds will be encouraged, and we will leave here knowing that we have victory in Christ Jesus. As I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God, increasing, rising up to feed every person in this room spiritually. And Lord, we thank you that signs Miracles and wonders will follow the taught word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're currently teaching the series on how to have a better life. Say that with me. Say how to have a better life. Amen. And the goal of our series is to help you discover that a better life is available and provide you with spiritual and practical steps to improve your life regardless of where you are today. Now, I want you to write this statement down because it's a very powerful statement. It is not until better is desired that better becomes required. Write that down. It is not until better is desired that better becomes required. In other words, until you desire better, the requirement for better will never show up. Why do you say that? The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. The word, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word hope can also be translated as expectation or desire. So without desire, God has nothing to work with. And that's why the enemy fights so many Christians to, to just live where they are instead of live where they want to be. Amen. And so we've been talking about living a better life. And so today, the topic of today's message is understanding your adversary. Write that down. Understanding your adversary. And the purpose of today's message is to hopefully... Uh, expose the major tactics that the enemy uses to keep us from experiencing a better life. Amen. Do you know that there that you have an enemy? Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five, uh, and then I'm going to quote First uh, John chapter ten, verse ten. We all know that one. John ten ten says, "The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy." Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. But I want you to notice the first part of that verse today. It says that the thief comes not but for to steal, 
kill, and destroy. Therefore, that says to me, watch this now, you need to know this, that although a better life has been promised by God, we must realize the enemy's main goal is to keep us from having that. Because he came to do what? Steal, kill, and what else? The enemy's main goal is to make our lives miserable on earth while we're on our way to heaven. There's nothing worse than being on your way to heaven, but you're having difficulty in the process down here. You know, listen, if God wanted us to go to heaven today, we'd have got saved and then died. But he didn't, it didn't work like that. So, therefore, he wants us to have a better life. Are you in 1 Peter chapter 5? 1 Peter chapter 5, write down verse 8. All right? And here's the point I want to make. In order to have a better life, we must understand that we have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, let's read it together. If you have King James, if you don't have King James, you can read whatever you got. It says, what's the first word? Be what? Be sober. What does that mean? To not be drunk. Because, see, when you're drunk, you can't keep up with stuff. How many have been drunk before? Let me see your hand. Okay, I didn't say if you got drunk last night. I just said, did you get drunk before? Okay. He says, be sober, be vigilant or alert. Why? Because what? Your adversary, who? The The devil. As a roaring lion, notice it says he wasn't a lion. It says he was acting like one. As a roaring lion, what is he doing? Seeking, he's walking around, seeking whom he what? May devour. So here's a picture of what the enemy is doing. Notice it says he's your adversary. He's walking around to see who can he devour. Which tells me he cannot devour everybody. Now, after today's lesson, hopefully you'll see that it is up to us whether we get devoured or not. Now, it uh, it says here, seeking whom he may devour. He's walking around. Now, keep your hand here. Go over to Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter. uh, No, go to Job. Go to Job chapter 2. Go to Job 2. That's right after the. Right before Psalms and Proverbs, Job chapter 2. Let me show you that the devil has always been and always is walking around seeing who he can eat up. In Job chapter 2, look in verse 2. And the Lord said unto who? Satan. That's the devil. That's our adversary. He says, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth. And what was he doing? He was walking up and down. He's looking for somebody to devour. But I want you to know today that through Jesus Christ, he does not have the power to devour us. But if we don't exercise our rights and if we don't understand his tactics, he will eat us up. And it won't be because God wants it that way. It's because we don't exercise the power that we need to have. So our enemy, he's looking for those who 
he feels he can destroy. Now write this down, John chapter 16, verse 33. This is Jesus talking. He says, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So there's nothing that can happen in this life that Jesus has not already given us the power to overcome. Amen. Now, there are three things that we're going to have to do in order to overcome the adversary. Number one, we must educate. Number two, we must saturate. And number three, we must activate. Now, we didn't even get halfway through none of that in the first service. So hopefully we can get past point number one in in the second service. But we must educate, saturate, and activate. What does that mean? In order for you to understand the adversary, you must be educated about him. See, most people think the devil is like God, and he's not. See, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. See, while you're praying to God at home, and I am too, he's, he's where both of us are. But see, the devil is not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. That's why it says he's walking to and fro, because he can't be at the same place at the same time uh, at all the time. So that helps us see right there that The devil probably is not messing with you. That's probably some of his employees. See, some of us couldn't handle the devil anyway if he came. He got little demons working on some of y'all stuff. You know. But 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 he has employees. So we gotta first educate. Now go to 2 Corinthians. Here's the meter where I want to go. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 2. And uh my wife is up here. She's gonna share uh some with me today. I'm so excited to have her. Uh, because she's going to help explain deception in a way that I can't explain it. You know, she just explains it better. You know, she talks better. She pronunciates better. She preaches better than me. She can't beat me teaching, but she can preach better than I can. And then her uh, pronunciations and all that, it's so on point. The enunciation. I'm not like that. See, what is it? The enunciation. Whatever. See what I'm saying? I can't even get the word right. But y'all know what I meant, right? Okay. Somebody have to be the smart one. In yeah, exactly. Second. Exactly. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 2. Are you there? The only way to defeat your enemy, who's the devil, is to know his tactics and his plans. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look in verse 11. Let's start in verse 10. He says, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, I forgave it in the person of Christ. Verse 11. Lest Satan, our adversary, the devil, our enemy, should get an advantage of us. Watch this now. Read it with me. For we are not ignorant of his what? Now. There are several things here that I want to point out. First of all, that, number one, if you don't forgive people, the devil has an advantage over you. Okay, see, that ought to be enough right there for you to forgive whoever is, you know, whatever they did to you. It ain't worth the devil having an advantage over you. That's That's number one. Number two, it says that we should not be ignorant or without knowledge of the devil's devices, which tells me, number three, that the devil has some devices. Right. Now, the word devices there, when you look it up, it means 
mental perceptions, thoughts, and purposes. Everybody say mental perceptions, perceptions, thoughts, thoughts, and purposes. Now, let me say this to you. Only the truth can disarm a lie. And lies are the primary way in which the devil defeats most of us. A lie. Everybody say a lie. Now, the word devices, when, when, you, when we looked it up and it said mental uh, perceptions, in other words, it's how we may see things. So, did you know that the power that the devil does have, do you know that power is nothing but him being able to lie? And guess how lies come? They come in the form of thoughts. See, most of us are looking for the devil to show up in a, in a red suit and a pitchfork. Some of us think that the devil is in the cubicle next to us at work. That is not the devil. The devil is going to come in the thought, in a, in a form of thought. And I'll show you that as we turn. Go ahead. All right. So one of the things is when um, pastor spoke on John 10, 10, and it says a thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. What he deceives us into thinking is that we don't have something for him to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. For him to steal, you have to have something for him to steal. Right. For him to kill, there has to be someone or something for him to kill. And for him to destroy, there has to be an object to be destroyed. But we get deceived into thinking that we don't have nothing. And he lies to us and makes us compare ourselves and our lives with other lives. And not realizing that because he's our adversary... He's coming to steal and kill from us, just like he's going to come and steal and kill from somebody else. Right. And so this um, point of deception, the enemy comes in to deceive us because at the end of the day, he wants to remove us from the fellowship with God. If he Mm -hmm. can destroy our relationship with God, then he totally destroys our ability to have the better life. Because we are disconnected now from the source of that better life. Mm-hmm. We're, disco- we're disconnected from our helper. We're disconnected from the wisdom person. We're disconnected from the source of life. If he, that's the end result for him. So the way he does that is he comes in with thoughts. And then the thoughts build and become um, patterns of, of thinking. And we begin to think our perception through these thoughts. So for example... Let's use pastor. In the first service, I used myself. But saying that pastor um, bought me a gift. And he came and he shared it with you all. And he said, you know, man, I was just thinking about my wife this week and I bought her a gift. Okay. And some of you will think, oh, that's so sweet. Then the devil will get an advantage on some people and go, hmm, your husband never buy you no gifts. All of a sudden, he says this lie to you because it's not true that he never buys you a gift. He just didn't buy you one this week. Right. You see, but he makes it look like he never, and you know, if he cared, he would do this. All of a sudden, our perceptions are off, and we begin to think that the spouse does not really care. Uh, you know, and so, saying even with your kids, they may say something, and they're talking back to you. And all of a sudden, you think, you know, I'm tired of dealing with these children. They just don't appreciate me. They just take advantage of me. They take me for granted. You get all of that because the enemy is putting these negative thoughts in your mind. And if you don't filter them through the word of God, what is a lie, you will begin to think it's true. 
And when you begin to think lies are the truth, your behavior acts accordingly and then things mess up. So now you're starting to check pages and you're starting to check texts and now you're, you're, you're into your kid stuff and you're, you're going crazy. You're on your job and you think nobody likes me. No, there's just one person that don't like you. Right. But everybody's against me. No, that last boyfriend was against you. You see what I'm saying? So what the enemy does is because there is something for, you, for him to steal. There is something for him to kill. There is something for him to destroy. He doesn't show you really what you have that he's trying to get. What he tries to do is plant a thought in your mind to make you think what you have is not enough. The Bible says we have this, we have this treasure hidden in earthly vessels. There is something inside of you that is priceless. But if you don't know it, he can steal the life that God has for us from us because we don't really know. So uh, So, let me give you another example real quick. The Bible says that, you know, they who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Mm -hmm. What happens is if you have hurts and wounds and things from, from before... Like he was saying, the, the Bible declared that we needed to forgive or we give the devil an advantage, right? He has a, he has a, um, a it's almost like you're starting in a race and he gets five feet ahead of you. Right. Okay. So you have grown to make up. He has the advantage of five rounds if you unforgive. Well, when you have things in your past that uh, make you feel bad, maybe a teacher was, was mean to you. Maybe somebody made you feel dumb. Maybe somebody said you were, you know, you're ugly. You know, you're too this, you're too that. You believe that lie. You have to go back in and find out what these lies are. Because the devil is lying to us every single day. And when he lies, he puts a false picture and he deceives us. And the thing is that we don't know we're being deceived. Deceive is not deception until you're deceived. You understand? So you don't really know you're being pulled. You know, your leg is being pulled. You don't really know. Here it is. You're you're arguing. You're you're, you're fighting the wrong enemy. Because the Bible says the devil is our adversary. Not each other. Not our kids, not our bosses, not our jobs, but our, the devil is our adversary. So our encouragement to you is to realize that one of his devices is to use deception. To make you think that what you have is not enough. To make you think it's better somewhere else. To make you circumvent the process of God by doing something uh, illegal, immoral, unnecessary, or, or rushing into something. If God's promised you this, don't try to skip the process. Do the process. Somebody comes and says, hey, here's a multi-level marketing thing. In two days, you're going to make a million dollars. If God promised you to be a millionaire, trust his process. Trust his system. Don't just try to heal, deceive you, and then all of a sudden you put your mortgage up, your house up, everything up, and you have nothing at the end of the day. Right. Now, let me show you this. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Go to Genesis 3. Let me show you how the devil talks to us. See, most people think the devil talks like I'm talking to you. Most people think that's the way the devil does. And that's why the average believer does not know when the devil's talking to them, nor do they know, watch this now, when they're under attack. The average person does not know when they're under attack. And you know why they don't know when they're under attack? Because they don't know the tactics in which he attacks. So I'm going to show you here. Look in Genesis chapter 3, look in verse 1. It says, now the serpent, we know who that is, that's the adversary, the devil, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to who? He said to the woman. I wonder how he said it. I'm going to tell you how he said it. He said it through thoughts. 
He put a thought in Eve's mind because he doesn't talk like this. You know how I know he doesn't talk like this? Listen, when God speaks to us, he speaks through his spirit, and then that thought comes through our mind. Well, that's how the devil, the devil talks through thoughts. He puts a thought in your mind. Remember when Jesus was on the mount and he says, hey, if you be the son of God, throw yourself down. He was putting thoughts in Jesus' mind. I can prove it to you because that's how he talks to you. Slap that girl. That's the devil. You ought to just spit on them. That wasn't good, was it? Don't worry about that. We'll edit that out. (laughs) In other words, if he uses thoughts to talk to you, that's how he was talking to Eve. And so what happened is, it says here, he said to her whatever he said. He said, has God said you shall not eat of the tree of God? Now he's taking something away from her that she already has. God told her, Told them all. They could have everything in the garden. There was just one particular tree. He said, don't mess with that one. But see, the devil, what he does, let me show you how the devil discourages you. He shows you what you don't have instead of everything you do have. Here it is. You you lost this one job, but all your life you've had great jobs, but all he's doing is focusing on the one thing that you didn't have or don't have right now. And he makes you feel like you're being shortchanged. Because, see, he he told Eve, Look here, Eve, this is what's going on here. See, God don't really want you to have um, eyesight like him. He don't really want you to see what's really going on. So well, I tell you what he's doing is saying that you can't have that. But the truth is when you have this, then you can, have, you can be like God. Okay, let me bust out. You can say, have more power. Let's put that in every day. Yeah. Uh, God don't really want you married. So you did, I know he ain't saved, but he, he'll get saved eventually. So you ought to just go on and marry him. That's the devil talking. Do you know the devil will talk to you and make you lower your standards? Yes. Okay, let me ask this question. How many in here have dated somebody and you knew you wasn't supposed to date them? Let me see your hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many got babies by people we shouldn't have had babies? Don't raise your hand because <laughs> your baby's daddy is right next to you. You married to him. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have gave that man no baby. Well, well, I said, yeah. oh, yep. go to Ephesians chapter 4 very quickly. Go to Ephesians 4. Go to Ephesians 4. Go to Ephesians. Let me show you this. And then I'm going to give you four main areas where the devil defeats us real quick. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 27. You know, it'd be, how many have had babies and you shouldn't have had no baby? And your little baby right sitting next to you. Mommy, why are you raising your hand? You didn't want me, mommy. <laughs> That's how you got to put him in truth. Now we got to take your kid to counseling. Don't raise your hand. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 27. Let's, let, let's start in verse 26. This verse is verse 25. It says, Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Verse 26. He says, Be ye angry, but sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27. Neither give place to who? What did it say? Don't give place to who? Okay, notice we have the power to give him place or to not give him place. 
Now, how do you give the devil place? By giving him room in your thought life. That's how you give him place. You give him place because when he, if he puts a negative thought in your mind, let's just say, for instance, you know, uh, your husband didn't apologize for something that he did. And he just went on about like everything's fine. And so the thought comes, see there, he never, ever apologizes. You just need to divorce him. That is a negative thought that is coming from the devil. And this is why people, when they end up in an argument over some cereal, they bust out talking about divorce. Well, you leave. Wait a minute. How did we get from eating cereal to being divorced? Because you never dealt with the thought that he said previous to that. That's why in 2 Corinthians it says that we need to cast down every thought and imagination. Deception begins with doubt or dissatisfaction. Exactly. Whenever you're dissatisfied or you have doubt and the enemy normally puts these thoughts into you, make you discontented. And then once you begin to follow through that pattern, your whole perception is off. And then what you, you know, you really had, you go, oh my gosh, he wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't that bad at all, you know, that kind of thing. So four areas that the devil defeats us. Number one, through pain, write down pain. Number two, through perception or lies. Number three, through perverted desires. And then number four, through people. Now, I'm going to say those again. These are areas where the devil uses to defeat us. He uses pain. That's why it's so important to get healed of stuff. If you've been going through some bad relationships and you know you're hurting, you need to get some counseling because all you're doing is carrying that pain and the devil uses pain to defeat us. So it's pain, perception or lies, perverted desires, and then people. What, what do I mean by pain? This is unresolved situations that hurt us and we never took the time to properly resolve it. Let's just take a relationship that you did or did not have with your parents. Let's say, for instance, you uh, were raised by your grandparents. And it's because maybe, you know, whatever reason, your parents were unstable. So you ended up living with your grandparents. But, But the lie that the devil told you was your parents didn't love you. That's why you at your grandmother's house. Okay, well, if you swallow that lie, it's going to create some pain in your life. If you don't resolve the pain, then the devil uses that to overcome you. And then also he uses perception or lies. This is information that we choose to believe, even though it could contradict God's word and God's will for our life. Before you go there, on Uh the pain Uh situation, if, for example, you have a broken foot and it's not set properly, then you could have a limp. You're functioning, but you're limping. Right. So many of us are functioning, but because we still have pain, we're not functioning at our optimal potential. We're not having the better life. We're having life, but we're not having a better life because we're still limping. We're still slump, you know, slumping a little bit. So you want to go and make sure that the enemy doesn't have an advantage because, okay, I mean, I don't like to use this analogy. I don't know if you all, um, y'all go to the Derek Keener show when he comes. Mm-hmm. You do. You should. He's so funny. 
Anyway, he's a uh, comedian. He's one of our long-distance members here. But he is so funny. And he always has this joke about his, um, is it his grandmother that right. has no leg? All right, right. okay. <laughs> and so he talks, and oh, it's just hilarious. But that image came to my mind when he's talking about the pain. When you have a pain, you are at a disadvantage because if somebody was rubbing a person with two functioning legs and one without, one, you know, the one without a leg is at a disadvantage. Right. So you're going to be at a disadvantage if you don't get healed. You're going to be at a disadvantage if you don't forgive. You're going to be at a disadvantage if you don't take the time to mend. You understand? It's like trying to run from the enemy and you're limping. Now, if you're at, you at his place and he was like, hold on, I'm not going to insult his grandmama, but I'm just saying that you want to make sure that you don't give advantage. And that means that you are functioning at optimum, at optimum level. And that's why you got to get healed. Whether it's through from a re bad relationship, whether it's through a misunderstanding, whether it's through uh, uh, something that happened that you couldn't control, but you got hurt because of it. I can see some of you all got hurt. You were an employee for a long time at a job, and you could not believe that you got laid off. Well, you have taken it personally, and, and it hurts you. And if you don't deal with pain, let me tell you something about pain. If you don't deal with pain, it normally causes one or two things to happen. Either it causes you to stop using whatever limb in your body that you were using it because it causes pain. So you stop using it or infection sets in. And that's what happens. So the devil, remember that says, give no place to the devil. Remember we read that? We give place to him when we're not healed in certain areas because that's what he's going to go in and use against us. Then he uses perception or lies. This is information that we choose to believe even though it contradicts the word. In other words, uh, let's just take somebody you're, you know, that you're dating and they're not saved. But you, you know, in your mind, you feel, well, they, 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 they go to church. Like I used to do dating evangelism. So I was deceived. I'm going to date them. You used them. to what now? Do dating evangelism. What is that? That means I'm going to date you because I'm trying to save you. Oh. How many do that in here? Okay, tell me, how many have done that where you dated somebody, you knew they weren't yeah. saved, but you, you thought you would try to get them saved? Raise yeah. your hand. Okay. That, yeah, that, yeah, because they were hot. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my excuse. Like, maybe I could be using my influence in their life. So I'm thinking, I'm going to be the Christian and, you know, Jesus went among the prostitutes. This is what I'm th I had a Bible verse and everything to justify. Did they get saved? No, I'm just saying it's a deception. Did you get lost? Yes. <laughs> they, they deceived me more. But I was already upfront deceived because I knew the word, but I began to compromise the word in the small things. And the enemy will use that foothold to deceive me into thinking yes. that I could do something I was not equipped to do because it was already violating the word to begin with. And you give. And I lost more than I gained. That's right. Have you ever, if you go into a situation and you are less of a person than when you went in, then you gave place to the devil. Now, now let's, let's look at perverted desires real quick and then we'll, we'll stop. This is where our needs in our life are being met in an illegal, immoral, or ungodly way. See, God designed us to have needs, but he didn't design us to have those needs met in a perverted way. In other words, okay, let's say you're married and uh, Jane here, husband always tells her he loves her. 
But your husband, you know, he told you when you got married that day and that was it. I mean, he loves you. He just said it one time. Well, in your mind, here's a thought. Here's a thought. See, if he really loved you, he would tell you every day just like Jane's husband tells her. If you don't recognize that lie, then you will begin to try to now get that perverted desire met in an illegal, immoral, or unethical way. In other words, now you start looking at getting compliments from people on your job, you know, because that's, that's, that's meeting that need. Your husband didn't tell you you look good before you left the house, but you dressing for Johnny at work anyway. Oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. Oh, you, 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 you only wear that perfume because he said he liked it. Johnny, not your husband. Now, what, what we talked about in the first service as well was that a lot of times you were fine before the deception came. You were fine right. before the thought came in. In other words, you thought your marriage was fine. And then somebody came along and told you, oh, no, this is what it's supposed to be like. And you go, really? Yeah, so you let them define your relationship, which now created a gap, mm-hmm. which opened the door, the which gave advantage. place. And then next thing you know, the devil's running, running rapid. And if you trace all of the big problems you've had in your life, if you trace them all the way down, you, you know what you're going to find? They're, they're going to trace all the way back to a thought that you had. Right. Okay, I'll give you an example, and we'll close with this one. David and Bathsheba. That was a perverted desire. See, he already had a wife. Or many. In fact, he already had wives. But because he saw somebody he shouldn't have saw, he allowed that look to now create a desire that he never should have had. Mm-hmm. And last, watch this now. When you fulfill perverted desires, three things happen. You're going to manipulate, you're going to lie, and you're going to cheat. Right. Those are three spirits that go along with perverted desires. I mean, think about it. Look at what he did. He went and he slept with Bathsheba. Okay. So when the man of God came to him and brought it to his attention, he lied about it. I don't know who that is. Wait a minute. Did he kill somebody? Right. Okay. So what happens is we have to be sensitive to where we are. And don't let the devil push you to do or be something you're not. I've seen so many people in relationships especially try to compare their relationship with somebody else's and end up arguing like cats and dogs when they'd have been fine had they never not met that couple. Yeah. And, and some of you all need to get rid of some couples in your life. I'm talking to some married people now. You know why? Because uh, being with that couple doesn't unify you and your husband. Y'all end up arguing and fighting more after being with them than you were before you were with them. You know what? Maybe that's a sign that they're not just good people to hang around with. For you. For you, right. And perverted, perverted desires can take place like also in your job where you make small compromises. For example, you feel... I've been here a long time and you're over there counting and then you start slipping up little by little, you know, you know, um, overwrite. They owe me a bonus check. I'm just going to write myself a check. Yeah, I had a, my, my, my dad had an employee that, uh, well, yes. she, that she was very special. What she would do is. Um, How long did she work for him? Have to be about maybe, maybe eight, nine years. Eight, nine years. Right. And mm. what she did was um, every account he had, he, she did a mirror account. 
So he had like a cell, cell phone account with one vendor. She got her cell phone with that vendor. Right. Then he had a furniture account, so she got a furniture account. And so what happens is that every time she would draft a check for this vendor, she would draft her own check for a vendor. Right. And so she was building credit with, you know, with, these, uh, with these vendors. So she would um, order furniture for her house, but she'd order it from the same store. So that my dad thought that she was paying his bill, but, she was, but he was going, you know, eventually it was like, why is she paying this same vendor every other week versus just one time a month? And so what she would do is draft her paycheck twice as well. And so it, it was... Now, maybe, y'all don't be using these ideas now. But it, because she felt it, she was due. She felt I've she been was here due. a long time. I've done this and da-da-da-da-da. And da, da, you know, and so she began to allow the enemy to give her perverted desires. And so now she was like upward of $300,000 or whatever. By the time she had squandered whatever she had squandered. Right. So, you know, and my dad, God bless his soul. He wouldn't send her to jail. I said, oh. But anyway. Yeah. I would have. He wouldn't. He said she was a single mom and he wasn't going to send her She'd to have jail. been a single mom writing in jail. So that's the grace of that's God for you. I'm but sorry. Perverted desires, it will make you lie. It, it will, will make, make you, you manipulate. It, it will make you, make you lie and make you cheat. Last one is people. This is where we have elevated the trust of man over God. No, I was supposed to finish this today. Yeah, we just didn't. Fi- the, first, the first service was slow. Don't tell them, but they were slow, real slow. People, this is where you've elevated a person over God. And when you do that, you open the door for the devil. So when that person mess up, you have now lost all your confidence. And that's why people stop going to church. Let's just stop right here. Let's just stop right here. We, 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 we good. I'm going to stop right this one. Why is it that at your last church, if that pastor messed up, what does that have to do with you still going to another church? You know what happened? You had that person elevated above God. Because no one should ever stop you from worshiping the Lord. Nobody. Now, I understand that they, they're in a place of leadership and they should do better and they should do better and God's going to judge that. But at the same time, you being out of church for five years just because that happened over there... That shows that you had that person elevated above God because what does that person have to do with you still going to worship God somewhere else? And so many people have opened the door to the enemy and you got to close it. So with every head by and every eye closed, every, every head by and every eye closed, I believe there are some people here today.